Welcome to the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast, a no-nonsense show designed to help you punch fear in the face and create the life you've always dreamed of. Now, here are your hosts, Vince and Christian. Hey everyone, welcome back to Middle Class to Millionaires. I am your host, Vince, with my co-host, Christian. Today we have a very special guest. Um, probably everyone knows who he is. If you don't, you're living under a rock, um, but I'm excited to have him here. His name is Jason Castro. Y'all may know him as a um, contestant on American Idol Season 7. Today, he is now a real estate agent and investor. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm actually really pumped about this. I haven't been on a camera in a while. Nice. Well, it's great to have you. We um, we got a lot to go over. We're excited to have you here and um, to get it out of the way because I want to know, and I'm sure anyone listening wants to know, but uh, what was your experience like on American Idol and what lessons did you learn that have helped in your life and your career? Well, I'd say the biggest lesson is to take big chances. You know, it's, it's crazy to think it was like 15 years ago now. And when I tried out for that show, I, I grew up loving music and being a creative person, but I grew up playing drums. I didn't start singing and playing guitar until a year before my first audition. So really, when I went to try out, it's like, man, I've got this idea. I had just seen, you know, like Chris Daughtry did his thing. He was like a little different, made the songs his own. I'm like, you know, maybe someone like me could be, I'm not a powerhouse singer. Maybe I can go bring my vibe and people might like it. And so to that date, I had only like sang in a few coffee shops and at church once or twice. And so I went to the first audition and, you know, there's, I think like 12 to 15,000 people at, at the old Cowboy Stadium we went to. And after a full day of auditions, um, you know, I went after, I think I was there like 10 hours before I saw some judges, uh, not the judges, just some judges, some producers there. And uh, we would go up like in groups of four and they'd like just point to you, you sing a song, point to you, you sing a song. And once you all sing a song, they, you know, in my row, they're like, OK, you three step forward. Y'all can go home. And then me, they said, hey, can you sing another song? And I was like, sure, I'll sing another song. I only knew like three. They asked me to sing another and then asked me to sing a third song. This was the last song I had for the audition. Uh, and so I sang it and they just sat there, deliberated amongst themselves. And they're like, you know what? We're going to let you through, but you need to go home and practice. <laughs> we're like, yeah, like this is, uh, th th that's how it went. And so what I did was like, all right, I went and hired a vocal coach. And I'm like, let's, let's work on this. It looks like we might, might have an option. We've got some opportunity here. Let's make the most of it. And so been doing that ever since. And, you know, just took a, a, every step of the way. It's like, okay, I guess we'll keep going. And, you know, real estate has been very much the same way. Like, hey, here's a, I think there's an opportunity here. I think I could do this. I think I could flip this house. Like it all started with little, I think, I think. And then before you know it, you know, here we are, you know, th this year we're uh, wow. getting, you know, 12 homes and it's about $12 million worth of real estate that we're flipping right now. And ne never thought I'd, I would be doing that when I flipped the first house. Did you have any, uh, yeah, that's incredible. Do you have any fear? Uh, when you were first going through the auditions, like, were you nervous at all? Were you uh, had any uh, any doubt? Definitely, which I think is probably common for performers. Um, but that's also kind of what you love. Like the for me, like the adrenaline rush and like being put on the spot and like, hey, I've I need to I need to do what I came here to do or you're going to crash and burn. And that's a lot of motivation. <laughs> 
and you know i am i am methodical in a lot of ways like I, I'm, I'm pretty laid back on 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 the outside i'm like real laid back and people just uh you know think he's real easy going and i am but i do um i guess calculated risks i think is the best way to put it like i learn enough i know what the risks are i, I am very self-aware learn what my capabilities are and you know then make a decision am i doing this or not and and we'll go for it and a lot of time uh, I do kind of live on the improvisation of it. Like I do like that where I know uh, I, I've learned over time that not all people are the same. Some people uh, do really lean into the the planning and everything. And maybe that's the performer in me, but I love having enough information. You know, there's I calculated risks. Now let's go in and sure. see what we can make happen. Well, that's pretty incredible that you, <laughs> I didn't know that part about your story that you basically, <laughs> You had sung, what did you say, three times maybe before your audition? Before your audition? Yeah. Wow. So that's <clears throat> that's pretty huge. I mean, to especially for American Idol. I mean, you know, I, I, I grew up watching it back when it first started. And then I think I quit watching, I think, either after your season or the next. I think that was 2008. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, so 2008 really wasn't... It was kind of the peak of it, you know, the next year's when the judges mm -hmm. was the last year with Simon, Paul and Randy and really like the only singing show people were watching. Oh, yeah. And now they're, you know, I, I won't get into them now, but um, yeah, I, that's um, I forgot where I was going with that. But that's pretty incredible that you I mean, again, American Idol is this huge show back then. And you're like, hmm, I think I can do it. So let me go try. And well, then especially out of. Go ahead. I, to, you know, to give a little more um, picture to it, even though I had barely been singing and playing guitar, I had been performing for most of my life. I was in a pretty serious band before that. My first time to L.A., I was flown out there by a record label to do a showcase when I was 18 playing drums. So there was like it's like I had this skill and I was like, we need to pivot. All right. I'm not I'm not on the drums anymore. Let's pivot. We know how to be on a stage. We're comfortable there. I just figure out how to sing and play guitar and you'll be all right. So it wasn't just like, you know, out of nowhere. It's like, hey, we, we've got some tools and resources here. We need to learn a, an, an extra tool here, but I think we can pivot and make this happen. That's that's awesome. I think uh, to be able to take such risk, you know, and to just say, hey, let me give it a shot. That's kind of, you know, Christian knows this about me and uh, my wife too, and maybe my close friends, but I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm of the type where I, I just want to try it. And if it doesn't work, well, I know that I tried it and I can check that off the box of, well, that, that didn't work. So, yeah. um, well, kudos to you for doing that. You know, playing through the worst case scenario is great too. And if you're comfortable with that, then why not? And I think that's where I'm, I'm really comfortable with worst case scenarios a lot. You know, that, that changes yeah. over time as you start adding on family members. It's like, okay, worst case scenario can't be as bad as it could before. But, you know, when you're young, take chances. I'd say that mentality really does translate over into business pretty well. I mean, at, at, at one point you had a, you pivoted, you had the resources and skills um, and you're like, how can I pivot? So there's times in business when uh, you may have to pivot. If exit strategy one doesn't work, you have exit strategy number two. So you pivot and just the same with that calculated risk. Every time you go into an investment, uh, you have enough information to get started and that's all you really need in this business. Uh, it's just enough information to get you going because anything more than that, it, you have a higher chance of not getting started at all on the uh, project. Yep. And I, that's what keeps most people from it, right? You want to know how it all plays out exactly. And it's like, you don't need to know that, especially if you start, start small. 
even my first flip, I mean, I mean, you don't know the story, Jason, um, unless you've listened to any of the shows. I talk about it probably every now and then, but my first flip didn't, didn't go right, and I didn't have any exit strategies, and I didn't even really think, okay, the worst thing that could happen is I could lose all my money. <laughs> well, the worst thing did happen, and I lost a lot of money. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just money. Like, and I know that sounds, I don't mean to sound that, say that arrogantly, but it really is just money and you can just make it again. There's other things that you can do to get that money back. So, you know, if you're, like you said, if you're willing to, to take those calculated risks and to know what the worst case scenario is, then really it's all going to be okay. Um, but the thing that we talked about, Christian, I talked about, um, either last episode or two ago was, um, to really just have multiple exit strategies. The big mistake that I made was I was just going to flip that house. That was it. I didn't think that I could finish it and owner finance it, or I could finish it and rent it out, or I could do X, Y, and Z. All I had was I'm going to flip it. And then when a contractor screwed me out of a lot of money, I just thought I got to bail and sell it and I lost money. Oh, just sorry about that. That hurts. Oh, it's okay. No, I don't care. You know, that's, it's really part of my story. And um, it, it helped me learn the big lesson right from the get-go. And now I have not uh, made the same mistake. And, I, you know, it was just an expensive, you know, $70,000 lesson, uh, which is cheaper than a degree that hangs on the wall. Yeah, well, that's what they say. You know, it's either a loss or you learn. It's one or the other. That's a great, great way to look at it. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, after American Idol, and, and I read that um, you're now did your family, you had a family band after American Idol or before? Afterwards, actually, yeah, that was like my second career in music, I guess, or third. I don't know. I don't know what you'd count it. But yeah, we did that after I, I had a solo career for many years after Idol, then took a break, kind of stepped back from touring. Um, and the whole industry was just kind of burnt out and wanted to be with my family. And then through that process, you know, again, another idea, man, it'd be fun to do with this. My brother and sister, they were kind of dabbling and doing their own thing, pursuing their paths. And it's like, what if we did this together? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's more fun together. And getting to sing and harmonize, yeah. and I, you know, I, I love that. Still, it's I love that album we did, and uh, wish we could have done more. But as you'll, uh, it's a part of my story. Like when I started that band, um, it was also the same time I got my real estate license. And the first year, we're like touring, we're like iHeart Radio artists to watch. We're on tour with Andy Grammer and Gavin DeGraw, and you know, driving ourselves around the country in a van. And we just got to the point. Uh, and then I was hustling real estate back home. When I got home, I'd be like working deals and try to try to just clients, like just try to get people under contract. And um, at the end of that year, like when I was doing taxes, I averaged about $500 a month from the band, you know, and spending all this time oh, wow. with my family, driving myself around the country. And in real estate, I had brought in six figures the first year when I was home half the time. And it was like, okay, wow. I think it might be time to go home, you know. And so that's when I kind of made the decision to, to kind of, I guess, retire from music, at least touring, the touring aspect of it, and, and go home and, and pursue something else. That's great. Well, uh, you kind of answered the question that I had was, you know, um, after your band, was there a moment where you were like, I don't want to do this anymore? And then what made you pursue real estate after music? So it was really what you just said, like the family life. You realized, like, music is fun, touring is fun, but you're missing out on family uh, yeah. And I'd say uh, one other thing I'd add to that is that I did always have a passion for um, both real estate. When I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I was 18. Couldn't wait to buy my first rental. And then also nice. the design and construction part of it. I grew up with my dad. He uh, He's an architect by degree. 
but um, not licensed here. He's from my, my family's from Colombia, South America. And so when he moved here, he kind of found an opportunity designing and building pools, eventually started his own company. So I grew up drafting for him, working in the field for him, you know, running permits. So I, I love construction, the creative part of it. And, and then design is where the, you know, the artsy side really comes out, which is, uh, you know, it's fun. It's another way to do this. So whenever I had like that passion, plus learning with Rich Dad Poor Dad, oh, this is how you can make money. And, you know, I don't know, do you guys only interview real estate guys or is it all business? No, it's, all business. it's all business. Okay, cool. Well, what I was going to say is the uh, there's it's such a powerful tool, real estate, that is not available to everybody in the entire world. Like it's very unique and specific um, to where we are. You know, even like I was watching a documentary this week on Colombia and their hundred year war, and it's like there's this guy. He's a farmer. He's been run off his farm eight times throughout his life. He's 80 years old, run, loses everything. They destroy his farm and he has to come back and rebuild. Real estate's not safe there. And there's disputes over ownership all the time. And like here, it's just so easy. Anybody can buy real estate and real estate no. plus time. It's a good thing, like any way you cut it. And, and so that's why we're really passionate about, you know, teaching people about that. Even the most average homeowner, like, man, if you make a few right moves, you don't have to become this crazy risk-taking investor. Just a few right moves early on, and you're really, uh, you know, setting up your family for something that, that's really special, unique. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a mix of that. That was always in the back of my mind. And then once I got my license, <laughs> funny story. I didn't know that being an agent could be so lucrative. I just thought it would give me access to the MLS so I could find some deals. And yeah, that's why I still have my license in Texas. Yeah, I had no idea. And then when I started meeting with brokers and they started explaining the splits and, you know, because of my notoriety, they were like jumping straight to like great splits. And, you know, I was like, <laughs> oh, start doing like simple math. I'm like, oh, I can buy my own deal and make that much. And then, you know, so that was that was kind of addictive to me from coming from music, like music, you pour your heart and soul into it. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, a new town, every city, you're selling merch, you're, you're doing all this stuff, burning through money, paying the band, paying the gas, and you just hope there's money left over at the end of the year. Like that's, yeah. that's how I operated. And so in real estate to be like, okay, here's a specific assignment task. This client needs that. If I can find it for them, we can get under contract. And 30 days later, I get that check. I'm like, wow, that was, that was easy. It was like, wow, let's, let's do that again. It was such a, stark contrast from you know the world i had lived in that i uh i really fell in love with that that part of it so did you ever uh sit down and kind of analyze like your chances of continuing your music career to blow up to be like i don't know one of the most known singers in the world mm -hmm. versus uh your path for success in real estate uh i laugh because that's that's a statistic. That statistics sucks. <laughs> like the, the odds that you make it, there is so much, you know, it's, it's not the best singers that win. It's not the best, you know, there is so much to like, I mean, really I'll, I'll call it luck timing the right place, the right time, the whole culture as a whole has to be at a right place, right time to accept what you're offering and you need labels to back you up and, there's just so many layers where if any one of those things, like for instance, my first uh, single we released after American Idol, um, you know, we had the backing of Atlantic Records. We were, you know, making a great album and every radio station we'd go ask, hey, will you play, you know, the song? And they're like, well, 
we kind of think he's a TV guy unless he's on a big tour. And then every big tour we'd go pitch like, hey, we want to get on this tour. You interested? And they're like, well, we're really only taking out people who are on the radio. And so it's like, well, oh, wow. you know, you got to. And so, well, what do you do at that point? Well, you you let go of those and you go to plan B. And um, but there's so many little things like that along the way. And there's so many limited spots for an art, you know, for a superstar, for a big artist. There's so many limited spots, so many. Um, so, yeah, it was I knew. I mean, I thought it was crazy. I made it on American Idol and through that. And, and honestly, I wasn't happy. Like, I, I think, again, I at the time, I didn't realize how much stress I was carrying, how much insecurity, because the thing was just moving so fast and so big and so fun. And a lot of it I loved. But there was a lot of this stress that I didn't notice because I was like this laid back guy. And but I was just carrying a lot of stress that kind of bled into like my personal life. Um, and I didn't know it at the time. And it was amazing, like when I stepped back from it, like overnight, it felt like a weight lifted and just like being able to wake up at my house and be with my family. It was crazy. So so for me, it just it, it wasn't what I wanted anymore, even though there was parts of it I did like, yeah, it'd be great to be the world's largest superstar. But really, <laughs> of course, you know. But really, maybe not. And, and that's at, there was one point that my wife asked me, like, hey, who do you know? What big artist or touring artist, anybody you've toured with or met? Tell me which one of them has a thriving marriage. And uh, I, you know, I was like, well, give, give me a couple of weeks. Let me, let me work <laughs> on that. <laughs> and because wow. uh, it's so hard. It's really just so hard to to do. And some people do it well. Like I do have a lot of friends in the industry that do it well. And it's hard, but it's a, a mutual calling between, you know, husband and wife. But for us, um, you know, and actually this is important. Something I've realized recently that, you know, early on I wanted to do everything. I struggle with that. I got a problem. I want to, I want to do it all. And so for oh, me, same here. Christian knows that about me. Yeah. So I want to be a singer. I want to be a songwriter. I want to tour. I want to get married young. I want to have a family. I want to have a large family. I want to invest in real estate. All these things are happening at the same time. And you get to a point of maturity, I guess, you know, that you realize, and I learn it more every year, you can't do it all. You just can't. And, and one of those, I guess, providential things, I really do think like, um, you know, one of my favorite scriptures that I, I, I often look back to is that it, in his heart, a man makes his plans, but the Lord determines his steps. And I've you know kind of believed that all throughout my journey. But specifically, like recently, I've thought, you know what, I wanted to have a family and have kids. And I made that decision early on. I didn't know how much it would cost. I didn't know that by doing that, I might not be able to do to be the world's biggest singer, you know, like that's just the reality. And so as my kids started to grow, it kind of became that push came to shove. Like, do you want to go be the world's greatest singer or do you want to be, you know, <laughs> take care of your kids and be a good dad? And, uh, and, you know, that was never a question for me. It was more of a, you know, it just took time to see that it's one or the other. You, you really had to be married to the music to, to be the superstar. I think the path that you chose obviously is the most important one. And um, we'll get to that at the very end. I have a question for you uh, regarding uh, your kids. So I think that's really cool that you you kind of already beat me to it, but I want to hear your answer at the end. I wanted to ask you actually, 
and I may, you, it's almost like you're answering these questions before I can ask them, which is, which is great. But I think I already know the answer to this. Uh, maybe I don't, but do you, obviously you're, you're in real estate now and you have five kids, which we'll get to at the end too, but do you miss music at all? Or do you think that they, that was completely the right thing? I'm glad that I'm doing what I'm doing right now. I miss music, uh, depending on the day. Uh, and quite frankly, like for a long time, I had to stay away from music. Like if I got in a room, like if I went to a concert, I was ready to go on the road. Like, let's, all right, get in the car. We're going to Nashville. We're start knocking on doors and get another record deal. Like that's how I would feel. Um, and it was a long, you know, something I don't know if many people talk about or relate to, but, um, kind of mourning the loss of one dream, you know, and one, uh, big mm -hmm. desire I had, but knowing that this definitely the path I want to take and we did, you know, and I didn't quit just like on a whim. This was like processed with some of our closest friends over time, like continuing trying to do things in a way that serves my family well. And after, you know, years, it's like, you know what? We have tried and it really just doesn't doesn't work for us. So make a decision. Uh, but yeah, I miss it. And now I get to have more music in my life. And I think early on, there was a lot of insecurity, like when I first left, because it I mean, for years, like I haven't released an album in 10 years and people would still come up and you're Jason Kazer. When's your next album coming out? And I just have to say, well, I'm not doing music anymore. I'm a realtor. Here's my card. Like that's, you know, it feels so lame. And uh, so it took a while to to let that, just let it go. You know, there's always these reminders of, oh, you were so cool. Now you're doing what? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> but Well, uh, you're still cool in my book. I think you chose the great path, choosing your family over a dream, which is obviously not easy. You know, I've just got to say, like, there's also a lot of misconceptions of the music industry Whereas, you know, I was on American Idol, people think I'm a millionaire and just rolling in it. And honestly, my first year in music, when I was on American Idol, I made the most money I did throughout my career. And in real estate, I've been making more than that consistently for the last three years. And so that's after being on the biggest TV show in the world, signing a million dollar record deal, having a $350,000 publishing deal, like all these things happen. And I still... It blew my mind that, oh, you can actually make more money <laughs> working a regular job. I guess <laughs> no, I just didn't know that you, I didn't know how money was made. I just knew I wanted to make music and that would lead to money. And it kind of, it kind of worked. Definitely gave me, you know, a start in the real estate. Definitely was making more than my peers at 21, for sure. And, you know, the earlier you can get capital or access to capital, it does make, um, you know, your timeline a little shorter to get, get rolling. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, there's a, I don't know, <clears throat> you know, 90% of all statistics are made up, but <laughs> there's a statistic that says, <clears throat> excuse my voice for those listening. I forgot to cover this at the very beginning. I'm losing my voice. So it's awesome. Perfect timing. So I'm just going to push through, but there's a statistic that says like 90% of, you know, all statistics are made up. So anyway, supposedly 80% of the top 1% make their wealth in real estate. So it, it is absolutely the avenue to reach incredible net worth or, you know, I don't want to say like wealth, but, but yeah, wealth. For sure. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, I got into commercial because Christian got into commercial. We were both doing single family stuff and then he got the commercial bug. And then I, I kind of like to do what he's doing because he's a very smart man. And then when I realized how fast you could 
increase your net worth versus single family and doing commercial, I was like, oh my God, what have I been doing the last four years? And anyway, so uh, we'll get into that in a second. But um, so I saw that you you earned a degree in construction science um, and I've been following your real estate work for a few months. There's a kind of a funny story of how we met. The designs that you and your team uh, that I've been seeing that y'all put together are absolutely stunning. I mean, this is not your typical like, you know, personally, like when I flip, for me, I just, I kind of go in and, and we do what sells and it's typically the same thing because I know that it just works. But what you're doing, I feel like every house that y'all flip or even the stuff that we'll talk about more in a second that you're doing in the other, you know, uh, avenues, they're, they're all very unique. So have you always had a passion for design? And then obviously real estate we talked about, but have you always had that like design mindset? Yes, I've always been, I guess what you would say the best way to describe it is kind of like a taste maker. And, and what that means to me is like, I instantly see something. I know if I love it or hate it and I lean into the things I love and that's what we emulate. Um, and it kind of just worked out in such a way that when we started investing our, you know, we had moved into this cool little neighborhood and in, uh, in Dallas known as Lakewood and around there, you know, something really interesting happens in big Metro areas like, where most of the values in the land, the house is just kind of there from 60 years ago, but you can, you could do a lot more with a smaller space. So, so yeah, our, our average house was like 1500 square feet starting out. And so we were able to, you know, the, the material finishes, it's not that much more. And I really do think like a little design thought, a little attention to that goes a really long way, especially in these, you know, kind of high dollar neighborhoods where a lot of young professionals that are making some good money, they just want a great house. And so it's really fun to have kind of fallen into that, that kind of niche, you know, where we get, we can be creative and profit from it because that's not true in every market. You know, if you are, um, you know, flipping houses a little further out or lower ARVs, like it, there's just no, no margin for it. You got to do the mm -hmm. denominator because that's what the market needs they just need a, a nice house that's livable and those people honestly aren't most of the time they're not paying attention to the finishes they don't appreciate the design so you know going where what you do is valued i think is is important to know you know know your audience do you have a hired property designer on your team or are you where are you finding any uh, inspiration for your designs so all of my so there's two parts to design that i when I say design, sometimes I mean two different things. So the first, when I think of design, it's more of like the spatial planning, the floor plan, the architecture plans, I guess you would say. But when you're flipping a house, most of the time, we're not getting architecture plans done. I, I'll i just build something in SketchUp and it's enough to kind of cast the vision for my builders and they're off and running with it. Um, so that's one part of design that I think is critical, crucial for anybody doing real estate today. If you're flipping something this is, I see it as like, man, this is my shot. This house has lasted 60 years and now I need to set this up for the next 60 years. So I can't just, you know, throw up in here with an awful floor plan. This thing needs to be thought <laughs> of and functional. And, and you just, you don't know how many times we see just awful floor plans. So that's step one of design. Uh, and then step two is like the material finish out, which we're talking about. And on that, you know, these kind of happen simultaneously. I do my SketchUp plan and then I Pinterest is probably my biggest uh, resource 
Uh, I'll snag stuff from Instagram too. You know, my Instagram's pretty curated too. But on Pinterest, I'll just make a board for what we're building. And then from there, historically, I've taken it to my builder, which we work with several builders. And most of them have some type of selections person in-house, not a full-blown interior designer because that's a, a big job if you're if you're soliciting interior design clients. That's a, a big job. But to just handle selections, I'm and that's part of how we were able to scale. It's like, hey, here is the heart of the vision. Make it look like this and keep it in budget, and I'm happy. <laughs> and uh, and you know, and that's and you do get creative where you splurge, where you spend, like, you know, sometimes the the tile on the wall will be 15 a foot and on the floor we're at 10 a foot and we kind of try to come to this blended rate. Sometimes we're at 30 a foot for this house. And you just, uh, you know, you get creative because you can, you can oftentimes get the same effect as, you know, that high end house you sell in architectural digest. You can get that effect at floor and decor or with majority <laughs> yep. floor and, you know, do a little designer tile right there, just where it counts. So knowing where to, um, you know, invest the money to really make it count, I think is one of those kind of intuitive things that, that comes with the designer. I mean, drawing inspiration everywhere. I'm snapping pictures at coffee shops when I like something and, and I'll wait. It's funny. I mean, I'm like a wizard on Pinterest. My buddy, he uh, recently bought a house to flip. Um, and the second we walked in, I'm like, uh, oh man, this thing has Laurel Canyon vibes. You got to do this. And he's like, what, Laurel, I've never even heard of that. And him and his wife go look at him. He's like, man, this is exactly what we need to do. And, uh, and I get like, people will, you know, like, what should we do here, man? Give me two seconds on Pinterest. I'll show you exactly like what, what we need to do here. Um, so it's also like just storing like all those memories, keywords, phrases, places I've been like, I even like on my iPhone, sometimes I'll take pictures of things and with the, with the location tag, it's, it's pretty amazing. I'll be like, oh man, this would be perfect for here. Where was that? I was at this spot. I zoom in on the map. There's the picture I needed. So it's all about communicating the vision. Yeah, Pinterest is is pretty awesome. That's where I've that's my first go to to get ideas for interior uh, finishes. It's easy to organize. That, that's the big yeah. thing. Like, it's easy to organize your thoughts there. I really, honestly, until I I'm kind of saying this off the whim, but like as soon as when I found your stuff, your stuff is literally like the stuff that you see on Pinterest. You know, I. Most everyone knows that Chris and I are both real estate investors too. I'm a real estate agent, so I, you know, have access to MLS. And the stuff that I see, most of it's like, you know, not to take a jab at myself, but most of it, what you see, investor finish out typical stuff that I used to do. Exactly. Now we do, you know, you and I do, you and I do better stuff than most your average investors because we do. We think of it with our our, uh, I guess ourselves in mind, but. Most of it's just pretty average stuff, like I said, what sells. But what I see from your stuff on Instagram, I mean, I'm literally looking at it. That video you did the other day where you walked into the dining room and then all of a sudden the dining room was there. Yeah. You remember that video? I, I don't know if that was yesterday or two days ago. I, that literally looked like something you would find on Pinterest. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, you have such an eye for design, and it's really cool to see because uh, I don't know if I um, – I don't know if I can ask this, but, and we can edit this out if not, but I wonder, you know, <clears throat> and it's funny that you used ARV because that's an acronym that obviously, ARV, it's, okay. it's funny. Yeah. You're, I mean, you know, I'm just going to be silly for a second. You're Jason Castro, the guy who was on American Idol. And here you are spouting off an acronym that like 12 of us listening know. So it was really cool. Um, but uh, 
how do you make a budget for the level of work that you do to make it still work? Because like when Christian and I do flips, um, he did his own, I did my own, we did them together. You know, we're we're working with like, I feel like a slim margin. Like, let's just say, let me think, for instance, we did a house or I did a house specifically in Arlington that was um, ARV at the time was like 330, I think. And we got it for like 180 because it had some serious issues. So I budgeted, I think 50,000. So let's just say if the ARV was 330, you know, I, I bought it at 80% minus 50 grand, which should have been 214. So I got it for a little bit less. But like even the 40 something that I spent on it was kind of a lot. So like, what are some tips you might have for people? Oh my gosh. To, uh, well, so to do what, the level that you're doing. Yeah. And we have a pretty sophisticated operation now. Um, and so I'll say like early on, it started with my basic construction knowledge of, you know, maybe call it my dad. What do you think it'll cost to do this? Even though he'd never remodeled the house, but generally I knew like day labor materials, you can kind of look up all that. Um, and so from the first one, it's like, okay, I think I can do it for around this. Let's go for it. And that first one happened to be my personal house. So it's like, that gives you a lot of margin because even if you overspend, well, you just live in it for a little bit and it's not the emergency. Yeah. I got to make money now and have really high carrying costs. Like so all that's out the window. That, so I would say I learned on my own house. Um, and that one, like I did the framing myself. I did a, yeah, don't look too closely at those walls. Um, but and then after that, I just took that, okay, next one. All right. It's similar. What would I do? So that's what we did at first. And then when we started um, collaborating with other contractors and builders, I would go off of, hey, well, what did we build last time? A price per square foot is what I'm uh, just working off of. So if we built that last house for $80 a square foot, then we have to look at this one. And normally I would shoot it, which has been challenging in the, the last five years of real estate with construction costs. It has been very challenging. And I think even though a lot of times, I think every time we went over budget, but every time our pro forma was like way less than what we actually actually sold for. So it, it kind of worked. I don't take any credit for that. Um, but because, you know, once you once you start a deal, you got to finish it. And so you're. Mm -hmm. Um, every time it's like, okay. And after we did that, like six or seven times, we're like looking back at our numbers and we're like, why are we always so off on our ARV and, you know, always outperforming. And so what we started to do for a season there, not anymore. Now, now the, now the formula is adjusted, but for a season there, we were doing like, okay, here is what the, the, the comps look like. We think we can sell for this much. But our product is always ahead above the rest and people we've learned are willing to pay for that. And so we would adjust our ARV by like 5% is what our formula was. And that would give kind of our base scenario. Um, but aside from that, we get real um, specific on the numbers. I've got a pro forma that's borrowed from, it's kind of a commercial setup. Um, so I, I still don't, when you guys talk about like 80% less repairs, like I've never used that formula. It would probably be helpful but I always like go into the weeds like, okay, if I can sell for this much, here's all my carrying costs. I spell it all out and I can do that pretty quick. It's a template. Um, you know, I can plug in my interest rate. I can plug in all these things. I can plug in. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things is like, I want to make sure we can pay our investors 
which to date has just been uh, friends and family, like private money. We would split the proceeds and it's like, I just want to make sure that they can at least make X percent after we do all this in a worst case scenario, uh, on, you know, on our lower case scenario. Um, mm -hmm. And so that would kind of be my green light. I just wouldn't budge. And I do think to our benefit, like in the neighborhoods we're working in, a lot of times we're looking at houses that most people deem unredeemable or a teardown. And we can typically afford to pay a little more for a teardown than a builder would. And so that would kind of, it's a very small amount of people that would do that. Or we would start doing additions. We'd buy a thousand square foot house, bump it up to 1800. And, you know, we were making great, great returns on that stuff. Uh, and now, even now we've got three homes. Our biggest project right now is here in Lakewood. And it's like a historic Tudor home. Beautiful. It's 1800 square feet. We contracted it at 550. Um, it went up in value about 200,000 in the time we contracted to the time we closed. It was a, it was an estate sale. So there was like oh, a wow. probate period, which was just crazy. Like, do we sell this? But I had committed to these, uh, I bought it from the original owner from the thirties, like their family. And they sold it to me through market because I was not going to tear it down. So I was like, I can't sell it to anybody. It'll tear it down. 750 is the land value. And so that project has a million dollar construction budget. And right now comps have us at like a 2.1, 2.2 ARV. Uh, and all day long, the weird thing is like in this neighborhood, those sell like hotcakes right now, like, cause there is not enough and it's a very exclusive neighborhood. And so as long as you, as long as you mm -hmm. do it right, which I, I know we're doing right, we're building a great product, great floor plan, um, great street, like everything about it, it. It's an anomaly, you know, like you can't, I mean, I couldn't find five of those. It's like, I, I found this one and I'm just being a good steward with this one. We're making this the best house we can. Uh, living within our budget and you know so yeah i'd say the uh, the type of property you know there's not many people buying what we're buying higher higher entry point a lot more work not for the faint of heart i would not recommend anybody <laughs> buying an addition project as their first project don't even think about it <laughs> obviously in real estate in order to a lot of times start growing your success brand is an important part of of a company or an individual and uh, there's a lot of people out there that you may know and that we may come across that have built their brand over the years and so everybody knows uh, who they are within the space now for you coming from the music industry is obviously a well-known brand do you think it helped you at all uh, as you transitioned into the real estate space as far as like leads go or or being chosen to to list or or represent on the on the real estate side yeah so that's an an interesting question because you would think it would and i would say it was not as helpful as you thought it de what it does do is it opens doors but you still have to deliver and honestly if you watch me on american idol you're probably not thinking oh i should hire that guy to sell my house uh you know <laughs> the 20 year old kid pretty aloof known for napping on the set like that's what that's what everyone knew me as over there so Hey, nothing wrong with naps, bro. I love naps. Being efficient. I'm all, you know, I'm always efficient. <laughs> so there was definitely like a big gap to like who I was. And, and the thing is, people want you to be that. They don't want you to be the realtor. Okay, maybe we'll, you know, and, and, and back to what everyone always says, it's most people's biggest asset. They're not going to like, just because you sing pretty, they're not going to give you that. So I don't think it was as helpful as, you know, you would think. Um, I'd say, you know, my best clients ha are, are friends and family that I had like starting on. It was their support that really got me rolling. 
And, but, you know, I would say the things that do benefit me is feeling comfortable talking to people and putting myself out there. Like from, from the music career, I really got comfortable um, in any situation I can kind of thrive uh, any social environment. And that wasn't always the case. Like in high school, I was a shy kid. I did not talk to anybody. I mumbled. You couldn't understand what I said, but through, you know, through years of, you know, being on TV and on the road and talking to, I mean, I would talk to hundreds of people every day in person. And so kind of just learn to get along with people, make people feel comfortable. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, and, and when we say real estate too, there's a lot of different things in real estate I'm doing, but specifically in the agent role, um, you know, a lot of it really is, it's a show, you know, you got to come in. If you're doing a listing appointment, it's a performance. You, you know, you better know your stuff, better present it well and be ready for their questions and objections. And so, you know, as long as you do that, that's, that's kind of the best you can do. And, and the rest, uh, then it comes down to all the, all the sales stuff. I'm like the anti-salesman, but there's a lot of it. Yeah. You just got to follow up. You just gotta be consistent. You got to, uh, you know, show people you care in a systematic way. Like those things are really effective and, and they're not fake. You know, I think a lot of, I think early on I thought, man, that's just fake. But in reality, no, I do want to be authentic and care for people. And I want everyone to know that. But when you're operating at the speed we are, you can't, uh, you just really can't like slow down enough to do all that. So you create systems for it. Yeah. I've kind of adopted a lot of that. I still wouldn't say it's my strongest suit, but so second question to that, now that you are in the real estate space, do you find yourself having to separate yourself as, oh, the sing the guy that was singing on American Idol versus like, you know, this sophisticated uh, investor professional that can, that can deliver, like you said earlier? Yeah, that's always been like a struggle for me. Like how much do I like play, lean into the music background because that is a part of the story and that's like you know you see a lot of athletes that get into real estate and that's kind of their thing they're connecting bond um unfortunately it just didn't go very well so i kind of dropped that and we're we're not really like pushing that at all anymore um i would like to like i dream about ways to incorporate music into whatever we're doing client events appreciation events and we've done that from time to time um but really I'm so focused on real estate like that. You do cross my path. You're going to hear about real estate and you're going to see the the knowledge we've got. And, you you know, you can go online and see our track record and see the type of products we build. You know, it's actually like, I think I did one show the entire year last year for a friend for their fundraiser. Like I'm not, I sing with my daughter sometimes. She she likes to sing. Um, So she's had a few opportunities I've backed her up on, but otherwise we're all in on real estate. Funny enough, though, like when you think about being a professional and like going and getting, you know, like being a musician, it's hard to get a loan, you know, <laughs> just like if you're a real estate, <laughs> yeah. it's hard to get a loan. All this 1099 income, it's gotten better now. But when I started, it was difficult. Um, and my first investor or the first bank that backed me up, um, I actually met them. I met the owner of a bank at a like arts. It was the Frisco arts something. They were doing something for the city and this bank was a sponsor. And we just got to chat in there and he's like, I was telling him what I was doing, like flipping a house. He's like, Oh yeah, we could give you a line of credit to flip some houses. And the next oh, was, Oh, this is great. And cause I had never pulled the trigger on a flip because I was afraid of like, I was so scared of hard money. I'm like, I can't make that work. Like what happened? I just couldn't oh, yeah. do it. And so when this bank said, yeah, here you go, 5% interest rate, you know. Oh, that's beautiful. Origination, I'm like, oh, wow, 
let, let's go. So that got me, I would say music kind of opened the door for real estate in that way. So there are a lot of connections to the two, but not, I think not in the way most people imagine. And, uh, and that relationship is what I'm still working with today. And, and now I do use a lot of hard money. So I've, I've come around. They're fast. They are fast. There's, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, Easy Street Capital. I don't know if you've heard of them. They close. Uh, I had this one deal that was a, uh, it was going to foreclosure. This was on a uh, Wednesday. It was going to foreclosure or going to auction on Monday. And I had the deal brought to me. I couldn't buy it within three days. So I sent it to uh, RJ Bates. And uh, I, he, because we had a relationship, I was like, hey, I need you to look at photos of this house determine the AR, the AR, your own ARV and budget. And I need you, I need you to tell me if you can buy it or not. I can't show it to you. You just got to look at it and buy it. And so he's like, okay. Cause we had done a deal before. So he closed on Friday. So hard money closed in two days, which no lender on planet earth, a regular lender can do that. So hard money is, um, is phenomenal. Yeah. But, yeah. but bank money is always the best money. I mean, 5% is cheap. Um, anywho, so more. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, those are almost as much as hard money these days. Yeah, I, I refinanced my storage facility. Uh, the original loan was at like four or four point two percent, which was you know to me back then was high. And then I had to refinance at six and a half, and I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Um, but six and a half is now cheap. Yeah, so let's keep moving. I want I want to I want to honor your time. Got a few more questions for you. So obviously, I've seen what you've done with. Um, the team that you've, you know, kind of put together at Castro Real Estate Group, which is, is it just you and your brother or do you have another sibling that's part of that too? Uh, nope. Just, and, and actually it's my brother just works with us. So we, when we started the, the real estate group, he works on the sales side with me, but there's really kind of four facets to what we're doing. And we've kind of really focused on those. And so we're hiring out in each of these companies. Um, and so, you know, the four main things we're doing, yeah, traditional sales and stuff. My brother works with me there. Um, we've rolled out Castro Casa, which is kind of the design forward brand in there. We do want to create, make that be kind of a hub uh, for all design inspiration. And also we've just brought on an assistant designer to be able to help us accommodate um, both e-design and in-person design. So that's something we're going to roll out pretty soon. We're going to start offering um, design services. So that's another standalone platform. Um, we also, you have Castro capital, right? Castro capital. So yes, that's where we're, um, raising funds for our project. So we're starting our first fund, uh, that's probably going to launch in March or April. Um, and that's to kind of just do what we've been doing on our, uh, flips and stuff. Um, so that one, and that one's kind of the sleeper right now. We're getting everything ready to really launch that. We're going to do a big media push. And lastly, we have Castro stays, which is, uh, something I'm super excited about. So we've kind of dabbled in short-term rentals here and there. Recently, we've acquired a lot of land within a, a kind of a ranchette community just west of here. And uh, we're building three modern cabins out there that we plan to lease. And we have a lot more land that we can develop on. 125 acres total. I think I said that. Uh, own a piece of a mountain. Pretty cool. That's amazing. Very proud of that fact. Um, and so those are kind of the four things we're doing. And now we've, it's kind of what we've always, or what I've always been doing, just kind of like on the side flinging things. But now we're kind of staffing up everyone. And it's all headquartered by our media team, um, which is something we're leaning heavy into to be able to tell the story in a beautiful way. 
Beautiful. That's awesome. Well, you answered one of my questions. Um, so real quick, and then I'm going to kick it to Christian. Um, but what would be some advice you, you would give to someone who wants to get started in real estate or really any other career in general or just business, um, but it doesn't have the comfort of like a nine to five income? So um, they don't have kind of like a cushion to leave or just really what, what advice would you just give in general for someone who's, who's wanting to get started? Uh, so there's a few different ones. Kind of depends on what you're trying to do in real estate. But step one for anybody, if you're listening to this and you have a W-2 job, if you haven't bought a house, go buy a house and buy one one a year until you can't stand your job anymore and move on. That's the easiest way I would say to get in it because then you get your, you're buying a rental with 3% down at, you know, interest rates lower than what you get if you're an investor. Like that is one powerful mm-hmm. way to build this up because then you, you just look up five years from now and you're like, Oh, I've got a couple hundred thousand. Now I can, now I can go invest in whatever I want to do, whatever you've been dreaming of. You know, you don't have to skip straight to the big risk, no money in the interim thing. (laughs) You don't have to do that. And it's wise not to, there's, there's so many people that, you know, want to get into it. I'm like, Hey, there's so many times I've been like, man, I wish I had a W2 job. We help clients. I'm like, man, it's that easy for you to get get a loan. <laughs> um, so that's number one. Seriously. Anybody out there, if you got a W2 job, get a good realtor and find a house that you can live below your means, find something that'd be a good rental and with cash flow when you move out a year from now and do that as much as you can. Um, number two, if you're looking to be like a real estate agent, if that's your calling, like if you love serving people and you want to go be a top performer, then I would definitely like go work on a team. And that's what I did starting out. So even the American Idol guy with all his connections, I didn't go just do my own thing. I went somewhere when I was looking, I wanted people who had a similar vibe. Um, And so I would just call the signs based on like how pretty I thought the sign was. And so I was just calling signs in my neighborhood. And there was one broker that I saw his sign in front of several uh, renovation projects. So I was like, maybe there's a second overlap. I'm interested in that. Maybe I can learn in that. And then third for me was like, how quick can I get up and running? Like I wanted to look legit day one for that reason. Again, a team already had the infrastructure, already had the branding, already could hook me up with the photographer. Like I was a okay giving up whatever percentage to get that kind of support and a transact. Like I've never not had a transaction coordinator. And that's something I, I don't know how a real estate agent does anything without one. Um, so oh, I did. So <laughs> That's beautiful. Just learn like, and again, even there, it was like leveraging other people's talents. How do I fast forward my learning process and be in an environment to grow? And and even now, like even when I moved from there, it was because, you know, most people like people take different paths. Like if you're real frugal minded and it works for a lot of people, but you'll go like the route of the zero commissions or whatever, like you can go that route. And I, and I went that route for a second. Like when I first felt like I had enough knowledge, well, let's go start my team. And I went, Keller Williams recruited me. They're great, great place to learn and stuff. But I was three weeks in trying to figure out how do I get an open house flyer and open house signs? And I was like, this is not what I want to do right now. And so I was there three weeks before another brokerage recruited me and also offered some cash incentives out there. Just so people know, once you start producing, um, you do, I mean, my, the, the bonus they offered me to move out of their brokerage was more than my last record deal advance. Um, so to put things in perspective, oh, like wow. you learn how to do your job and you do it well, people will notice and you'll have some 
leverage to uh, to get some things that'll help your business grow. Because then with that kind of capital infusion, I was able to, instead of stressing out how I'm going to print open house signs, instead I had a runway where I didn't have to worry about closing a deal. I could plan my next year. I could do some marketing stuff. I could get everything set without the stress of having to close a deal. And that really like set me up for success, gave me a runway. And so to really see your broker as a partner in what you're doing, you know, I think I learn it more every year, but just like how collaboration is the key because I am kind of a lone wolf and that's kind of like family heritage. Like you move here, you work hard, you do your own thing. You're your own boss. You know, like you just do that. And the more I go on, it's like, man, you're just, again, back to the time ability. Like I want to do it all. You can't do it all by yourself. You just literally can't. And so the sooner you learn that and start to pull in people that have the same mission and mindset and uh, and skill for the role you need, that was one I had to learn too. I kept hiring people because they had a good vibe and you know, they weren't. <laughs> and I was hiring me. So if I would hire someone who's really outgoing and entrepreneurial, they're not going to stick around. They're going to come see what I'm doing no. off as fast as they can. So, so what am I, what am I trying to build? What, you know, and, and getting clear on that and, and clear on roles that we need. And, and so that's what we're continually like, okay, what's the thing I need to stop doing? I can do, I need to stop. How do we, yeah. And you know, there's business guys that can talk way better at that, but all that to say, like the collaboration is key and not trying to do it all on your own and being willing to like give, I think that's something I've learned, like be willing to honor those before you. Like if somebody is doing what you want to do, find your way to serve them. Um, and and yeah. I'm learning that more yeah. now as a leader, because now, you know, early on when you are starting out, man, you're scrappy. You don't have much. You need every dollar you can get. You're you're so focused on <laughs> Literally, that. yeah. Like you're so focused on your money that you can kind of lose sight of people and try to just, you know, learn what I can and move on and make more money. Like that was uh, a motivation at points in my life that uh, are just the wrong way to, to go about it. And now like in, in the position I'm now in now where I'm leading teams of people and I'm seeing people come in, like you can see it in an instance, like, man, this kid just wants to take what he can for me and go try to be like me. And, and the thing is, I would be happy to produce more me's, but come and help me on my mission, like help me do what we're doing. And there is like room here for you to grow and in an easier way. Cause that's what I learned the hard way. Like I worked like a dog day and night. Like the first flip I did, we made money, but similar to you, like it was a, a nightmare. My contractor was awful. And I ended up spending so much time on this thing. That's like, man, if I would have just been a real estate agent, I could have made the same amount of money, been at home every night. And not had any of this stress. You know, that was the first time you're putting mm -hmm. on your and and so learning to 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 put a value on all your time. Like if you know, if you're gonna do that, like every time someone thinks about flipping a house, I'm like, they're always trying to cut the cost. Oh, I need to get my realtor license so I can do that. And I'm gonna GC it. And I'm gonna, I'm like, hey, add all that stuff up, and I'm gonna invest my own money. Right now, we we borrow private capital. And we pay them great returns to not take on that risk. But if you're willing to put up your mm -hmm. money, how much interest are you making on that money? What's your opportunity cost? You could put that, you could invest that with me and made a passive 10, 15% return, no problem. Instead, what are you making on it? What are you paying yourself for all those times and hours that you were in there? All those multiple trips to Home Depot, all that stuff. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> how much are you worth for that? Oh, and you want to be a real estate agent now. Okay, 
Are you, you know, you're paying all your dues, monthly fees, upkeep of all that. How much are you paying yourself in commission? And what's all this overhead? And like, when you start to add all that up, it's like people think they're making money on a flip, but really you're just paying yourself back for all that time you just spent on it. Yeah, and it's, exactly. you know, you gotta, I try to make people understand that because sometimes you can only learn the hard way and there's nothing wrong with that. Some people, if that's what you want to do, then you need to go learn the hard way. But if you're just kind of, you know, thinking real estate's this easy thing, oh, let's go. Yeah, I can flip a house. Let's do it. You're, you're going to, you're in, for, <laughs> you're in for a lot of work and stress and surprises and you're not going to make as much money as you thought. So only do that yeah. if you want to go, if you want to go in on this, if you already know. Otherwise, if you just want to invest your money, invest it with someone who's, who you see is doing a great job. Yeah, that's all good points. What's your time worth? Go ahead, yeah, Christian. I was going to say, something you said earlier about the uh, uh, going alone, uh, there's an um, African proverb. Uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So, you know, I, I typically have always gone the, the lone wolf route as well, especially on the commercial side. You know, I've, I've gotten fast alone, but now I, there's definitely value in building a team and doing it together. Because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you could have a, the, what is the, the whole, the whole grape or a piece of the watermelon. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's definitely value in, in, in <laughs> going that route. So uh, obviously the, the market has softened a little bit. Interest rates are up. Not, you know, people aren't, are not sure what's going to happen with, with mortgage rates or whatever the case, how is your team responding and repositioning, repositioning yourselves for 2023? So I would say there's, even with these shifts, there's always people buying and selling, maybe less. So on the sales side, it is more like leaning into those relationships you have, being present and being, you know, that expert voice in their life. I think that's the work of the agent right now. As far as our other businesses, like in our flips, you know, everything we have like listed now, um, we're looking for, you know, just capital preservation, base hit. We're not expecting big returns. But we believe in real estate as a whole. So we want to just keep producing, even if it's smaller right now. And then we're going to find opportunities to buy. And, and the market, you know, maybe rate, uh, prices are softening, but so are construction costs. And so like all those things, I think they'll come into equilibrium, whether, you know, prices stay high, go higher or drop down. I don't know exactly, but we're still just focused on having a, a unique product. I mean, that, that works to our benefit, just a unique product, unique areas. Um, and like as a pivot, like one of ours, we uh, listed, when was it? Sometime in the fall, uh, which would have flown off the shelves, in, you know, six months prior. But it sat, mm-hmm. came holidays. And after, you know, we were like 75 days on the market and, and there wasn't a there wasn't a price that would have moved the needle. Like we looked, we looked at comps, all the feedback wasn't that we're overpriced. So it was just that there wasn't, that buyer wasn't in the market right now um, because they were so limited. So we, on that one, we pivoted, we're now running it. We checked, you know, we went through an inventory. Okay, all of our loans we have right now, um, what are the terms? When do they expire? And we discovered somehow, I don't know, I don't know how I got these hard money loans at like 18 months, because no one will give me that now on a flip. So, oh, wow. So we went and looked and it's like, man, we've got, we've got some runway on these. And so let's, they're already furnished. We had had them staged, um, need a little more furnishing. So we're, we're doing that now. And we just listed it on Airbnb. Um, and we're, since we're paying interest only, we'll be able to cover the 
cover the mortgage and probably a little cash flow. We think it should bring in, or you know, should cash flow like a thousand or so. But that'll start to, you know, put us back towards a a neutral number, uh, make up for all those carrying costs. And so yeah, the plan is to Airbnb for a few months. We'll still shop it off market and then relist um, in the spring summer when hopefully. We're anticipating things. We're already seeing it now. More buyers are coming out. But, you know, it just takes time to get used to the rates. Like if you were shopping last year and your rate doubled in a matter of months, like <laughs> that's pretty defeating if you're a first time buyer or anything. Yeah. Like, oh. And even if you own a house right now, it's kind of tough. Like, why would I move? You're better off adding on to your house, renovating it, building it and keeping that low interest rate. Like that's, you know, honestly. And, and so the third pivot with our design services, that's that's kind of something we're going to lean into, uh, just helping people design their homes and create create homes that they want to live in. Um, I, I do think like the construction industry is going to be going strong for that reason. Like the next you know five years or so, a lot of people, if you have a two percent interest, three percent interest mortgage, why would you move? <laughs> I mean, you, you sell it, and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to buy in a cheaper neighborhood to have the same the same monthly payment. Yeah, so exactly. it's that's kind of where a lot of people are are stuck. So, so those are kind of the pivots. But there's always new buyers entering. There's always opportunities. So we just want to be the guide for anybody wanting to get into that. Sure, sure. So what is your vision yeah, for great. for your uh, company uh, five ten years from now? What like what does that look like, and what steps will you take to get there? Uh, yeah. So I mean, we like I said, we just launched this initiative of separating our four main silos. I think when all is said and done, like my biggest dream and motivation i think five ten years from now is that we are kind of a national infill developer that we're building communities and cool cities across america that's my goal and the way we get there we've been strategically growing increasing our volume every year um, this fund is going to help us get there quicker and having a specific plan for that so so that, that's that's kind of the path and the the other things the brokerage the design services those are kind of little auxiliary things. The you know the design front I think could become kind of a design house thing where we could do collaborations with brands and I think that'd be a fun thing to build uh, implementing like like to know it campaigns and uh, I think that so that's what we're like experimenting there. It's kind of a neat thing to to try out um, and see if we can make something happen of it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, really I think cool. <clears throat> obviously we know as uh, entrepreneurs um, the the key to kind of staying afloat is having multiple streams of income. I think Christian just posted about this on his story uh, the other day, but one of the things that uh, my dad taught me was to always have multiple streams of income. So I think it's, it's really cool. The stuff that you, uh, your, you and your team have launched with those initiatives that you talked about, you know, I saw the video when it happened and I thought that was really cool. And I was excited for you because um, obviously the design, like I said earlier, the design aspect of what you're doing is just phenomenal. And so I think instead of just relying on one thing, like I, like I, you know, with my first failed flip, I just relied on it only being a flip and it was a disaster. So it's very smart to kind of spread yourself out a little bit and have multiple streams of income. That way, if one is kind of, you know, down a little bit, it's okay because you've got these other things, you know, kind of keeping you afloat. But before we wrap up, I got two more, two more questions for you and then we'll, uh, we'll close it out. So I saw that you had your fifth child in October. So one, that's amazing. Congrats. Um, my wife also wants five. I'm, uh, I'm, try, I'm trying to get there. <laughs> um, <clears throat> joking. I got, I got but, uh, a resolution is to get a vasectomy. 
That's like, yours? Go to eight, and then we hit five, and I'm like, oh, I'm tapping out. This is this is a lot of work. That's a lot, man. I mean, we have two, and our, our second was a boy, and he was he was the sweetest tornado. That's what we called him. And so I was like, can we can we not have kids every 22 months? Can we, like, put a, put a break on it? So anyway, um, have you always wanted a big family? Did you come from one? And, and then what, is, what does being a father look like for you? And what legacy are you wanting to leave behind? Um, so big family. My dad is one of eight. And so that's really the inspiration. Um, I've watched how his family, I mean, really, I just look at Christmas and I see 40 people in a house having a blast. And I just love that. I live for the, the energy. And that's a lot of my personality. Like I'm I love the more the merrier. And so seeing that and just seeing like, uh, you know, like I said, they came from Columbia. My dad was the first one over time. All eight of them and my grandparents ended up here. They all live here within 20 minutes of each other. And, and I just love like my grandmother's not a day goes by. She's not cooking lunch. And one of her eight kids stops by for lunch. And <laughs> really, uh, I love that. And I think uh, I never want to be alone. And so the more kids you have, the better chances are. Uh, except that true. Uh, my grandfather, he's got eight kids, right? And he says, you know, everyone wants the boys, but the girls are the ones that'll stick around. You know, guys got to go build their little kingdoms and the girls will take care of Yeah, you. their empires. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, I started out the gate with three little girls. I feel like I'm set. Just got to take care of them and they'll take care of me. And it's really, uh, nice. right now, it's it feels like a big investment right now. There's not not a lot. I used to equate it to uh, to touring, you know. You would, um, you know, you drive all night, like just be exhausted, load in and you're just like so tired. But then you get on stage and like the adrenaline, that moment, the thing you love. And it's very much the same, like with kids, like most of the time it's like, oh, why do I have three kids in my bed at two o'clock in the morning? You know, you like hard stuff. And then there's just those moments when you when you stare at that kid and you see them sleeping and you marvel at like how amazing this is, how precious this is. And. Uh, you know, that's enough to keep going. So yeah, that's, I think that answers part one. I, I did see a big family and won a big family. Part two to that, what does it mean to be a father, I think was the question. Yeah, what does it look like for you and what legacy are you wanting to leave behind? I think this is very important so that we, the the purpose of this podcast wasn't strictly to talk about business, but also talk about life. So it's important for, for people to hear your why. I mean, Christian and I have talked about our why on previous episodes. And I think for most people, and at least from what I gather from you, a lot of what you do, your why is your family. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what it means to be a father, you know, my wife and I were kind of recently having these conversations because as I've, as I've grown in business and have kind of learned how to, hey, let's define what are our core values, how are, what, what is guiding our decisions you know, I realized like, man, we don't, we don't really have that defined in our family. Like, yeah, we have some big picture assumptions. I think everyone has assumptions, but what are the things that are going to, going to, you know, uh, define our specific family? And, and we're still like working that out. But I think like one thing we identified that's, I mean, has always stood out like for me and the legacy I want to leave is, uh, is really just one of like fearless adventure. That's what I want my kids to experience and see and be comfortable in. Like, I want them to know they can do anything and we can go anywhere and you can adapt to any, any culture, any environment. Like I really, uh, you know, just value that. It's been a part of my family's journey. Like when I've traveled abroad and uh, to, you know, the country of, of my heritage, Colombia, or I've been overseas several times and I just, I love 
just all of the the beautiful places and people that God's made and getting to experience that is one of the greatest gifts. And I think, um, you know, through music first, that gave me a glimpse through family. I get a glimpse of that through my work now, even, yeah, I don't know. Right now I know that is what's clear to me. Like the biggest value I have is the adventure and, and to not focus, um, you know, not focus on the things of the world, the money, you know, which I think can be, uh, you know, can be a distraction for anybody. Um, but how do we focus on the people around us? And that's something that I'm constantly like just held accountable for like, okay, how are we doing this? Am I going to be about myself and my kingdom today? Or, you know, are we going to be about other people and about the greater good? Um, which I think, and I don't think they have to be in conflict. And I think the, the greatest empires are those built for others. I mean, that's why we live in America, right? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of what's ever present right now. I want my kids to see adventure and I want my kids to see people. You know, I think, you know, in a world where people, we're seeing people less and less and people more and more are just yeah. a number or, a, you know, a text or something like, how do we see people have genuine, I mean, relationships are an adventure, right? Like real relationships are, yeah. they're not a walk in the park. They take work. Yeah. Yeah. So um, maybe you've already answered it. And if, and if not, um, real quick, and this is our last question and then we'll wrap it up. But what do you want people to say about Jason Castro after you're gone? Oh man, that's a tough one. I know it's a deep one. It's a deep one. I, you know, it's funny. I'm going to revert to uh, my American Idol days. There was a uh, uh, a question in the American Idol like catalog of what do you want people to something like this, something the same effect. And I said I want them to think of Jason as a, a loving father, a faithful husband, and a servant of all. That's what I would like. Beautiful. That's where I leave it. Nothing else. Who cares about the real estate? That's awesome. I mean, at the end of the day, <clears throat> it doesn't matter. You know, I have a tattoo on my side that's from uh, a movie called It's a Wonderful Life that says all you can take with you is that which you've given away. So at the end of the day, we can't take any of our money, any of our houses, our cars with us. So who cares? All that matters is how we treated our spouse, our kids and other people. Yep. So love it, man. Well, Jason, this was a a really great. Go ahead. I was going to say, well, I love what you guys are doing. And thanks so much for having me. This was my first podcast. So nice. That was fun. I enjoyed great. again to talk to, you know, guys that are doing great things. And uh, yeah, until next time. Yeah, we appreciate you so much, man. Thank you so much for your time. This was a, an amazing podcast. I think this is one that you should probably go back and listen to because typically throughout uh, these podcasts, I'll if some if I feel like something maybe went too fast, I'll go back and, and kind of point it out so that people can can process it. I think there was just so much good stuff that I didn't have a chance to even because we were just flowing. So I would go back and listen to this one maybe one or two times because there are a lot of good nuggets in there that Jason gave and Christian gave that I think can really help you out, not only in business, but just as a person. You know, uh, obviously, Jason, I don't know you personally. I only know you from the you know month or two that we've been chatting, but um, you seem like a great guy and you're doing big things. And uh, again, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, guys. Likewise. And we'll catch you on the next one. This episode of the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more tips and strategies on entrepreneurship, life, and business to help you create the life you've always dreamed of. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content on planet Earth.